Welcome to another episode of Teachers in the Dungeon. Join hosts Tom and Dan as they break down the campaigns they create and play, sharing memorable successes and unforgettable failures of players and the DM, as well as discussing a variety of D&D-related topics. So, grab your dice and grab some fun. It's time for Teachers in the Dungeon. Yo, ho, ho, it's time to go. Welcome to Teachers in the Dungeon. I'm Tom with Dan, and we are the Teachers in the Dungeon. We're so happy you've joined us today, and thank you for your support. Be sure to let us know what you think about today's show. Our contact information and social media are in the show notes. Okay, let's delve into the dungeon. Everybody and welcome to Teachers in the Dungeon. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for reaching out to us on social media. Keep those comments coming on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We appreciate you having us or have it. We appreciate having you on those platforms to have that conversation with of Dungeons and Dragons, painting minis, building uh, set pieces. But let me bring on our co-host, Dan Reem. How are you? <laughs> I am doing just fine. I would say I, I get so distracted with got to make sure I've got everything in mind that I want to say that <laughs> I'm glad that you're able to just kind of do that intro because I would not be able to. Oh, well, no problem at all. <laughs> I did want to start by asking you, what's the newest set piece you've been working on? I, am I call it set piece. I'm sorry. They are terrain. 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 I, I got to get that right. They're, actually, I don't know all the terminology. There's terrain, there's, terrain, there's scatters. Uh, which are smaller, and I think, just judging from picking up what I'm learning on Instagram. Mm -hmm. But currently, well, actually, I have two days to finish two wagons. Oh. I built my first wagon, and I posted it on Instagram as sort of a qualified fail. It just looks like garbage. It's way <laughs> too big. But I don't have time to redo it completely, so my thought is that's the lead merchant has that one. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so I've built two that are much, or in the process of building two that are much closer to the right scale. Okay. And, I, and I'm happier with those. So. so is it like putting a Hot Wheel next to a Matchbox? Like one's kind of tiny and small and the other one's got like I don't know what I was feel. thinking. I, I Math is not my friend. I can do it. And then suddenly I can't. And so okay. it made sense in my mind to make wheels that were as tall as people. But when I really think about it, that's not really how wagon wheels are. And I built to scale from there. So everything was just, oh, I, I have okay. like, these, this wagon is like two and a half stories tall. <laughs> so it's kind of like a Durgar. <laughs> it, can, it can get to, uh, you know, it can grow in size. It's and, a and siege, siege tower or something. Swelled. okay. So the other's a little better. I've just got a, I've got them... Ready. To, they're all assembled. I just have to paint them now. All right. Well, looking forward so. to seeing that on Instagram. <laughs> uh, keep your eyes out there. Give Dan a thumbs up because... It's a heart scale, on Instagram. Pardon? It's a heart on Instagram. It's a heart on Instagram. Yeah. 
I know my stuff. It's true. It's <laughs> true. Uh, but I'll say this. Whether it's missized or too big, too small, out of scale, it's 1,000% better than anything I <laughs> Because I don't make anything. <laughs> so, well, I, yeah, you, you would probably, once you get into doing it, it's... It's it's like painting the minis. It's pretty easy to make something looks decent from two feet away in low light. Okay. So that's kind of my goal, that's, as uh, usual. I like that. That, that, <laughs> that makes the things seem a little bit more comfortable. Sometimes we'll have to talk about the things that we make because I've been working on those little token pieces. Right, right. So it's one of these days. So many topics to cover. Uh, but what do you want to hear? Let us know. Hop on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Tell us episodes or show ideas that you would like to hear us talk about. But speaking of building, oh, wait, we're going to do one thing before that because we've got a shout out to a listener who shared their D&D story with us. Yes. So, Dane, you've got that. Yes. On Instagram, Rum Weather Reptiles Woo-hoo. messaged us and just talked about his own journey into D&D, which, as I think with a lot of folks, began with the quarantine. Yes. He had wanted to try it for a long time, but he, bought, he says he bought his first starter set one week into quarantine Wanted to watch it. Always wanted to try it. And after watching Disney's Onward, which is largely about D&D, my son wanted to try. So he said he had a captive audience. His wife was not too thrilled, <laughs> which we can definitely, with which we can identify and but commiserate. Good, but good for you for like getting her to, to play and to try. That is awesome. Yes. So he does go on to say how uh, it did not go quite so well uh, at the beginning, but okay. he's he's still sort of slogging along and, yeah, and helping him with it. He did comment a while ago, we did an episode on what we hate about D&D. Yeah. And as you might expect from someone named Rumweather Reptiles, ah, yes. he was not entirely in agreement with our, our, our dislike of Dragonborn. And so he explained why that was, and it was actually pretty cool. He, in, in, the, in the homebrew world, he's creating the only 100% good faction is a nomadic group of outcasts led by a dragon. Or excuse me, a white dragonborn. Cool. A paladin who also happens to be a white dragonborn, the wisest and most level-headed of the group. And he says, just saying dragonborn are cool. <laughs> and dragonborn paladins, especially old white dragonborn living in the snowy forest, can be pretty cool as well. Yeah. So... Point taken. I a, like it. Yeah. And you know what? That's that's kind of the point of that episode. You know, it's it's how we feel. But the nice part about it is, I love that idea. Yeah. I think I think the way he's approached it is spot on. That's exactly how you should use a dragonborn. And it just it, it created some discourse. Yes. And so, hey, if you disagree with us on the and your feelings or our feelings of dragonborn as player characters, let us know. Let's know how you use Dragonborn to, to make them unique and, um, and valuable in the world of D&D. Hey, we have our opinions, but they by no means are the end of the story. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's all about open discourse and critical thinking and, like, creativity. So, clearly, Dan, you and I, when it comes to Dragonborn, my, that's where my creativity stops. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that's okay. That's all right. We're old school. We're old school. Alrighty, speaking of old school, we're going to talk dungeon crawls today. And actually, not, not playing a dungeon crawl, but creating a dungeon crawl. Right. This was born out of, the, out of looking through the Dungeon Master's Guide. And actually, it was a little bit inspired by another podcast, the Dungeon Cast. Right. 
where they were doing, and I don't, I don't know that, I don't remember what it was that I was listening to, what, what kind of build they were doing. It might have been a character build, or maybe they were doing a dungeon build. But I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Because what they made me think of, and that I'm hoping that we can inspire with you, is that the Dungeon Master's Guide has a, has a lot of tools in it. That's right. That's right. That's one of those, I mean, it's, it's one of the books you buy when you start. Because it's the Dungeon Master Guide, and you, yep. obviously by that name you need to have it. And as we've mentioned many times, I bought it, mm-hmm. I looked through some of it, and thought there's a lot of really useful information here, and I put it back on the shelf. And I I've, know. I've rarely, if ever, gotten it out since. And, you know, it strikes me all of a sudden as a teacher, it's like a textbook. Yes. Full of really, int- really important information mm-hmm but sometimes sort of a slog to get through. And, you know, as with a textbook, you can kind of look at the table of contents and just go in for what you need without having to worry about anything else around. Mm -hmm. So there are bits and pieces I've looked at in depth, but most of it has kind of stayed unknown. To me, the one place that I go to in the Dungeon Master's Guide uh, most frequently is to dream about magic items. Right. Because there's that whole section on magic items in the back. I use that, but besides that, the only, th- the, to my memory, the only time I've used this 5th edition uh, Dungeon Master's Guide is to look up under more specific rules on underwater battle. For when we, when oh. we were in Eberron and fighting in that lake, okay. I, I needed, I wanted to make sure I had my understanding of how underwater uh, battle works and the Dungeon Master's Guide. Player's Handbook has some things, but it refers you to the Dungeon Master's Guide. Mm-hmm. And that's what the DM's Guide does, is it gives, it takes rules that, that, that are touched upon someplace else, and it's, the DM's Guide is like the ultimate authority on some of those things. So it's not a book you sit down and flip through and read page by page. It really is a reference book. Being a, a librarian, I love that. I love that there's a reference right. book in Dungeons & Dragons. So... I came across chapter five and I thought it would be really cool to make a, a completely randomized because the Dun- DM's guide has the, the tables that you can roll on to randomize a dungeon build. Yes. And so you can do it start to finish just. Yep. And so it, it, it's a little interesting the, the method at which they lead you through the book to do that. But in chapter five is where um, they give it's titled uh, Adventure Environments and of course Dungeons. I guess not, of course, but dungeons is one of the is the first section they talk about, and um, and just to read a passage from it, under it says some dungeons are old strongholds abandoned by folk who build them, others are natural caves or weird lairs carved out by foul monsters. They attract evil cults, monster tribes, and reclusive creatures. Dungeons are also home to ancient treasures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, the, oh, yeah, it's me. Coins, <laughs> gems, magic items, and other valuable valuables hidden away in the darkness, often guarded by traps or jealousy kept by monsters that have collected them. I don't think I could talk about this enough. I know we've talked about it before, but the writing in these books is magnificent. Yes. I mean, that right there appeals to me as a fan of, of fantasy literature, but also as a fan of Dungeons & Dragons. I don't know what, what else they could do to compel me to want to keep reading. It. Yes, I, I, I would agree with that. And it in it, I think it is a very smart way to encourage the reader's creativity as well. Yeah, sort I was of, just looking at the yeah. at the front where all the authors are, but it's a lot of contributors. I don't want to read through all of them, um, but 
a lot of contributors go into this and the editing of this is so well done. But so they start out by with building a dungeon, doing random rolls for a dungeon location. You and I have completed this, at least part of the process. We did. I haven't, I personally haven't gotten to a completed dungeon, but I've gotten certainly through the map building. And And we actually, yeah, we actually recorded this, but this sort of edited, ended up on the cutting room floor. (laughs) I wasn't sure if you were going to mention that. (laughs) (laughs) It was an, it was a wonderful idea that just doesn't quite translate. So we didn't want to subject you to our breathless silence as we rolled dice. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand sometimes it can be just painful to listen to us when we're excited <laughs> and happy about something, but to <laughs> suffer through us going through a random roll. So what we're going to do today is we're going to share with you how we created the dungeons and sort of share with you. Go to social media. You can see we'll post pictures of our dungeons that we created there. So the first is dungeon location. So Dan, in your random rolls, how these first two, we have dungeon location and then there's a, a, an option. One of the roles leads you to an exotic location, which I don't think either one of us got. So where is your dungeon? Now, when I rolled, it ended up being <laughs> entirely predictable. It was underneath a ruined castle. Okay. That made it easy. Easy to, didn't stretch my imagination much to try to make sense of it. It just, mm-hmm. of course, that's where you'd find a sure. dungeon. And mine, mine is just a dungeon in a forest. That's, that's all I got on mine. By the way, that is a 20-sided roll. I, I would like to try to mention those because some of our, from our things that we think <laughs> about Dungeons and right. Dragons, one of them was you don't use the 12-sided enough. It's in this. Yes. There's some in here. So yes. I'm going to try to mention the dice that you roll <laughs> to create a dungeon. So you need a 20-sider for sure. The next roll, randomized roll to create your dungeon is who created this dungeon? Who built it? And so you rolled... Mine were hobgoblins, I think, right? I th- yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah, you had the other, you had the more exotic. Oh, yeah. I So I rolled mine, and I got the Mind Flayers created mine. And then there's also another special, if you get, so that one's a 20-sided as well. If you roll a 2 through a 4, that takes you to another another table of cults and religious groups. Right. Um, and I did notice here that if you roll a 20, there's no crater. It's just a natural cavern. Okay. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Because, yeah, that would be, that, that could happen. So I have mind flares. You have hobgoblins. But you you went ahead and rolled. I didn't the follow cults. the, yes, I didn't follow the rules. I just went ahead and rolled the cults. You worked ahead <laughs> before the teacher moved on. <laughs> so it was a, I'm trying to remember what the cult was. Just a, It was just an evil cult that reveled in pain or something like that, I think. Yeah, I'm looking. Worshippers of an evil deity, I think. Yes. That was it, yeah. Which actually fits with with your... With what happens what, next. Yeah, what, what, ha- what continues to happen. So I have Mind Flayers as the creators of mine. Then it was NPC alignment. And I don't remember doing this one. I don't know that I did. No, I don't think... I think that was another one where you... Maybe so. Okay. I didn't need to. And NPC class we passed. So then we went to Dungeon Purpose. Like, why was this dungeon created by these creatures? Right. And so your hobgoblins created this to be... I forget what the term was, but it's basically just a kill floor. A death trap. (laughs) Yeah, it's a death trap. Is that right? Yes. So that's a little limiting, but... (laughs) I love it, though. You built it, your hobgoblins built it just to kill people. (laughs) Our creatures or whatever. And my my dungeon purpose, by the way, 20-sided roll on this one as well. Mine is, this is their lair. 
So how, so I have a mind flayer lair that's in a dungeon in the forest. Right. It's cool. Then the next is, and, and by the way, each one of these has a short description. So like when we looked at dungeon purpose, there's death trap, lair, maze, mine, planar gate, stronghold, temple or shrine, tomb, and treasure vault. They give little descriptions of each one of those here. Right. So if you're like, I'm not sure what a death trap is, I think in fact it I looked that one up. I don't remember if I read it to you or not, but I was just kind of curious. Does that mean what I think it means? And it did. Um, but they give you some description there as well. So the next table you roll on then is dungeon history. You know, where, why, like what has happened to this dungeon since it was created? Do you remember what your I don't even remember that one. I know mine was... I'm trying. I'm looking for it here. It's a 20-sided roll. Mine is basically the the creators. Yeah, mine are original creators are still in control. I was thinking maybe that was yours. As I think I might have got, got that, that too. One. It's a you. It has. It's a 17 and 18 for that. And why I can't roll that when I'm in a fight with my character, <laughs> um, but here when I'm creating a dungeon, I roll that high. It will be a. Uh, it's a mystery to me. The chapter then goes on to go into more description about dungeons and mapping a dungeon and dungeon features but really the, the the randomness the random tables are finished in chapter five so we're like okay now what now what do we do right discovered that it continues and i don't it's i'm sure it's in chapter five someplace and i skimmed over it with my eyes but appendix a is where the meat and bones of no pun intended uh <laughs> is where is where you do all the tables of rolling and creating. And it is a, it's it's almost a maze in, in and of itself in creating. I, I kind of understand why they do it this way and I kind of don't, but I feel like, I feel like a lot of the D&D books do this. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no central location for anything. Yes. Really. It doesn't matter. Wizard spells, fighter features, Race, uh, races or species you can play. And I get it. They're always expanding it, so I understand that. Right. But I feel like even within books, they're sort of scattered. Things are all over the place. In running the Waterdeep campaign, I mean, things are all over the place in there. And I don't know how else, how else I would do it as an editor. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not an editor. Um, I can barely keep a coherent thought in writing. But, <laughs> I, you know, I, but man, sometimes finding and locating things quickly in the Waterdeep uh, Dragon Heist book oh. is just, it's kind of everywhere. And I have bookmarks all over the place. But nonetheless, Appendix A is where you go to really start creating the map of your dungeon. And so one thing that's kind of cool though, so we each have a purpose. You have a death trap, I have a lair. And so they have tables for those that have specific types of um, rooms that I'm feeling like, oh, I did, I skipped ahead. Sorry, sorry everybody. I'm gonna go back to, (laughs) (laughs) you just turned back a page because I got ahead of myself and they have a whole bunch of tables on pages one or 290 and 291 that you kind of go back and forth on the tables as you're creating the map. You know, I was gonna say that's, that's what struck me to contradict what you said, but it really wasn't what you were saying, that this is where for us or for me personally, the experience started to fall apart. Mm, Okay. In that dungeon kind of stopped making sense. Now, obviously, random dungeon, fine-tuning, and I thought maybe, again, this would just mean lots more pages they'd have to write up, but maybe there should be a separate set of 
tables you roll on once you know what the purpose of your dungeon is. I see, yeah. Because I got things that just did not fit with what a death trap would be. Mm-hmm. Now, now, I suppose, again, maybe it's just my own limited creativity. You, you make it work. You come up with a story for why it is so weird. But that's where I, I, I kind of fell off. I lost interest. I got frustrated. Yeah. I, had so many, I had so many passages that would just turn back on themselves and be empty. And I'd roll for a secret door or whatever, nothing. It would just, you know, again <laughs> yeah. and again. And I thought, Ugh, this isn't working. This isn't interesting. Right. And I tried it again, and it got even worse. So that's probably, again, I, I, I'm not approaching it the right way. I should be, you know, the whole point of a random dungeon is it doesn't necessarily make sense. Right, right. Well, so when we come back from our break, we will um, k- describe our dungeons for you and kind of go through some of the parts of Appendix A and maybe go into some of that frustration of things kind of winding back upon themselves and things like that. So stick around. We will be right back on Teachers in the Dungeon. And we are back in the dungeon, quite literally, but this is Teachers in the Dungeon. I'm Tom Gross with Dan Ream, and we are working out of Appendix A of the Dungeon Master's Guide, Creating a Random Dungeon. I was expressing my frustration with the whole process, but I realized it must have been quite engaging because I completely blew past our normal stop point for a break. So obviously, obviously these guys who created this stuff know what they're doing. Yeah. I wanted to start with another passage from the book, if, if you would. Yes. I just, I love reading books. Um, and so since I have a captive audience or maybe you've all turned off by now, but <laughs> here we go. Anyway, this is the introduction to appendix A. It says, this, is, this appendix helps you to quickly generate a dungeon. The tables work in an iterative manner. First, Roll a starting area, then roll to determine the passages and doors found in that area. Once you have initial passages and doors, determine the location and nature of subsequent passages, doors, chambers, stairs, and so on, each of them generated by rolls on different tables. Following these, le- these instructions can lead to a sprawling complexes that can fill more than a single page of sheet or a single sheet of graph, graph paper. If you want to constrain the dungeon, Establish limits ahead of time on how far it can grow. The most obvious limit to a dungeon size is the graph paper it's drawn on. If a feature would exceed the boundaries of a page, curtail it. A corridor might turn or come to a dead end at the map's edge, or you can make a chamber smaller to fit the available space. Alternatively, you can decide that passages leading off the edge of the map are additional dungeon entrances, stairs, shafts, and other features that would normally lead to levels you don't plan to map can serve as a, a similar purpose. So I'm working out of a like a college composition book, but that is of graph paper. I decided when I started doing this that I would limit, I would either try to turn the, if, if the passage was going to go past the edge of the paper, I was going to have a turn as they suggested in here, or I would just have a dead end. Right. Um, right. And so it's funny how both of my levels of this, <laughs> Both of my levels of my dungeon just ended up in the top half of the page. <laughs> neither, one of them, neither one of them went to the to the bottom part of the page. So I never took a left turn when I'm on the left side of the page or right turn when I'm on the right side of the page, which I found to be interesting. Were there any interesting quirks I knew like that? The, the first one that I did had the most potential before it just died out on me. It would have been quite frustrating for Dungeon Explorers because it there was a stair that went up but only to just one 
little room mm-hmm. and then another stair that went down two floors. Okay. So the layer below the start level, you could only get to by going up first and then down. Oh. So that worked out really well. That's but, cool. I mean, that kind of comes to, I suppose there's a reason for it, but it frustrated me a little bit that on the chart where you'd roll for what happens next to your passage, mm-hmm. there's only a 5% chance of a stair ever. Right. So it's very unlikely that you're going to have a multi-layered dungeon mm-hmm. just doing this randomly. Mine ended up only two two levels. My second my second level does not have a stair down. When I think about it for a layer, maybe it wouldn't be a deep dungeon. Right. You know, it would just be a couple of layers anyway. So it kind of worked out uh, for me that way. You know, when you're talking about how you have that feature where it's a stair up, to a room, and then in the room is a stair down two levels. I think right. we were talking that that was reminiscent of Biratel. the Biratel with the Tieflings Jack story yes. in the temple there, where it had <clears throat> sort of been added on to. It was a castle <clears throat> that yeah. it, yes, yeah, so the old castle was just a simple tower, a keep, and the new one had been added on around it. But the only way to get down to the dungeon was to go into the old part of the castle and you could only do that from the second floor <laughs> so you had to go in go up go to the and then down and then down and then down okay. to finally get to the dungeon yeah i remember that being sort of twisty turning and windy <laughs> and of course we were fighting monsters and running from drow and all that so i sort of lost track of how that how the mechanics of all that worked they, so they have when i look at appendix a they've got the starting area that was mentioned in the the text that i read and it's basically a chamber, I don't know, would you call it an antechamber? It's just sort of a, a, an entryway that mm-hmm. then has passages off of it. Then, once you've determined the passages, then there's a, a, a roll on the passages. Oh, by the way, the starting area table is a D10. The passages table is a D20. But when you get the passage width, <laughs> depending on what type of, and I don't remember the details on it, but depending on what the passage is coming off of, it's either D20 or it's a D12. <laughs> That's still not enough. It's only a chance of even using it. Right. Poor D12. <laughs> I'm telling you. Anyway, so then you have the passage tables to work with. Then there is, then you if you have a door... There's a randomizer for the doors as well, where you could have rolling a D20. The 1 through 10, so 50% of your doors are going to be wooden. Another two of those, so really 50, uh, now, now you get past the, my ability to do this. <laughs> Half is easy. But then 11, a roll of 11 and 12 gives you a wooden door with a bar, that's barred or locked. Right. And then you get into stone, iron, portcullises, secret doors, and things like that then you get to a, a table with doors that's beyond a door, what's what's behind that, and we get to passages extending, chambers, things like that. Speaking of chambers, then you move to a, a table on chambers, and they give you a number of different sizes, from rectangles to circles to octagons. If you roll 20, it could be a trapezoidal shaped room. And then when you create that chamber, then you have chamber exits, Right, and if it's a normal chamber, there's there's a certain rule, or there's a large chamber, which they give you an example of of the sizes. So you could have up to in a, a normal chamber, a roll of twenty gives you four exits. In a large chamber, you could get up to six exits. 
They even give you a randomizer for exit locations and then exit types. And then we go through a series of stairs, <clears throat> different types of stairs you can use. All of those tables are a D20. Yes. So do you want to describe or give any features of the layout of yours? I think I, I th that was really the only interesting thing about mine mm -hmm. uh, was just the one up, two down. And then they just kind of petered out. That was what was frustrating yeah. is there was all this potential and then it didn't, uh, the, the, the dice were not in my favor. Got it. Okay. What about you? Yeah. Well, the only, so I identified that I have five like chamber areas and I'll say, we'll talk about this later, but I cheated on one of them to create a chamber area. Other, it was just like a, it was like a 60 foot uh, passage that just ended. <laughs> so I created a chamber at the end of that. So I did a little fudging at when I was finalizing this. But really, this would have been a really disappointing one-level dungeon until my very... I was at the end of my last passage. I did the final roll, and I got a stairs. Okay. So worked out. And then my second level has a few more features. It has a lot more doors. There's some, like, closet storage space areas in this floor. I have a circle chamber. I have a, a, an octagon chamber. And so the second the second level, even though it's it's the end, oh, I guess it's level three. The, the stairs I had were down two levels like yours. Got it. Got so it. there's no middle level. It's it's level one and level three. But it had a, a few more features, but still nothing that when I walked away, I was like wowed by. It's a basically ordinary dungeon that I rolled up randomly. And like I said, we'll talk a little bit about to how we maybe modified um, our dungeons. Yeah. So then the next page, oops, I went too far. This is where we get into stocking the dungeon and connecting the areas. They do talk about in connecting the areas, maybe taking some liberties from the randomness to it. It right. says if there, if there are natural places where like two corridors are side by side or a corridor dead ends up against another, it's a potential spot for a secret door. So I did take the liberty on that in my first floor to put several secret, there were several places that okay. had natural, where I was like, okay, in a mindful area layer, they wouldn't want easy access to the second level where they live and their chambers are. And so I put secret doors. You could only get to the stairway down if you search for secret doors. And the way the map was laid out, that made a lot of sense. So I did do some of that. But now getting to where um, I kind of started this before I realized I was ahead of myself, <laughs> is for chamber purposes, they do give you purpose-specific tables. So there's a table that you rolled on for, for death traps. There's a table I rolled on for um, layers. And then once I, this is where I kind of lost, started losing interest. Because there are, mm, looks like there's about 18 different purpose, like purpose uh, areas for the layer. And I kept rolling like the same ones. Like how many armories does a dungeon need? Just looking at this now, I realize that I'm sure they've got a reason for it, but Death Trap only has six different possibilities. Yeah. So I just kept rolling observation room after observation <laughs> room that didn't observe anything. And I thought, oh, shoot, this isn't right. But now that you look, you know, some of these others, you know, dungeon stronghold, dungeon temple or shrine, there's a whole column of different yeah, options. Yeah, and they're rolling with the percentage die, the one D or the um, D100, where I was rolling with the D20, and I guess both of us were rolling D20. But your your like 
number spans are much, like you have a two to eight for guard room, mm -hmm. nine to 11 on uh, a vault for holding. So like, yeah, you only had six choices. So when I started getting frustrated, I started looking at some of the others and I noted that, oh, that has a large one. There is at the end of this section, one, a table that's called general dungeon chambers. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, so once I ran out of, and I was like, this doesn't, none of these really make sense for the rooms that are left. I went to this table, General Dungeon Chambers, and it's a D100 uh, roll. And there were some things in there that made sense. I rolled in a library. I rolled in a, what was the other one that made a lot of sense? It was like a workshop. Like if this is the, if this is a Mind Flayer's lair, they would have some type of a workshop. Like, I don't know. I, again, I, I don't know much about Mind Flayers, but I'm assuming they create or they do something with those intellect devourers. And so there'd be some sort of like a alchem alchemist al alchem what's the word alchemistry alch alchemical alchemical lab or something like that. Help me out there. Yeah, I, I don't, on, yeah, on social media, call me out, tell me what it is, so I get it right next time. But so there's some things there. I mean, like in this one that I didn't have on mine, like they have a crypt and a um, a dressing room, and you know. Uh, a game room. I mean, I don't know that, but like hobgoblins, they might have like rudimentary dice games and they would have a place where they would, mm -hmm. you know, fight and beat each other up for fun and stuff like that. You know, it occurs to me, I, I probably was, you know, the way they've set this up, if you're too literal, I think you've run into problems, but this is an awesome resource just skimming through here to, to yeah. remind you, here's all the things that could be yes. in a dungeon. Absolutely. You know, and that occurs. I don't know that we need to go through every single one of these templates, but, you know, they, they give you the chance to roll for what's the state of your dungeon, each right. room. Is it in good shape? Is it ruined? Like, oh, yeah, that is something I should think about when I'm building a dungeon. You know, what's in there? And, you know, when you roll for monsters, then you also get to roll for monster motivation. And yeah. I think those are all things that sh should be on a nice little checklist as you're uh -huh. designing. Right. And yeah, that's where I really, I didn't, I stopped at this point because I went to the chamber contents where you roll for monsters and things like that. And I just started getting into like, like mind games of why would, a, why would a monster other than the mind flayer be in here? And, and it wasn't that I was like, there wouldn't be because I mean, a mind flayer might have minions or they might've captured a hobgoblin, let's say, and brought him in to cook or mm -hmm. to be a guard or something like that. But it just, it became a little overwhelming for me. Yes. And so I stopped there thinking, so my last step was I went to all the spaces where I thought there might be an encounter of something and I numbered them all to start preparing for writing the story of the dungeon. Got it. But overall, I was pretty, I was pretty happy with it, even regardless of the frustration. I was like, I don't know that I would ever come up with a dungeon that looks like this. And like I said, I did some modifications to to make it make sense to me as right. a DM. But I mean, the editors of Wizards of these of these books from Wizards of the Coast, you know, they're always saying roll on the random table or choose something exactly. from the table, which is what alluding to what you were getting at. And so I think it's a really when you are looking to create something especially a dungeon but but these could be modified to use for like going up in a stronghold or a castle right. and uh and building things like that i think this is this is a really effective piece 
if for nothing else, just looking at for inspiration. Yes, yeah, I think that's true. And so I guess in our final analysis, we'll see if, if people are as interested as I have become in the sense of there's fifth edition's been out for long enough. There's mm-hmm. so many books. It's kind of cool to go back to these original ones yeah. and see the tools that they've provided that we sort of forget about. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for joining us on this uh, ride through or creating a random dungeon from the Dungeon Master's Guide. Remember, yes. you started Chapter 5. Then once you get the purpose and why your dungeon is there and who created and all that, then you go for the logistics of building to Appendix A. Let us know how you liked this uh, conversation that Dan and I had about creating this because we would love to dive back into the Dungeon Master's Guide and do other random builds. Yes, um, cool. Or just dive into some different topics. Yeah. If there's something you want us to talk about and get our opinion on from the Dungeon Master's Guide or the Player's Handbook or any of the books for that matter, um, you know, I even have a catalog of first edition, second edition, <laughs> 3.5. You know, nice. we could even go back there if you want our reactions of like, oh my gosh, Thacko, are you kidding me? <laughs> but uh, but no, there, there's we'd be happy to talk about any of those things. So let us know what you're thinking. Reach out to us. Hey, by the way, if you have a long message to send us, we do have an email. It's teachersinthedungeon at gmail.com. Send us your long-winded messages there. Correct me on all the different ways that I said alchemistry or alchemical. That's a, that's a, that's, no, that's a tough one to come up with. (laughs) I wouldn't beat yourself up about that one. Oh, well, (laughs) anyway. Well, for Dan Ream, I am Tom Gross. Until next time, check out that Dungeon Master's Guide and see where you can be inspired. Talk to you next time. See you soon. wraps up today's session so thank you for listening to teachers in the dungeon we appreciate you and your feedback until the next time we see you in the dungeon we hope you roll high on those saving throws if you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure subscribe to the podcast have questions thoughts or ideas check the show notes for our website and our contact information This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.